0: Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository along with Joe Scalzo of the Rep. We're going to talk about the Stark County High School Football Hall of Fame's class of 2019 National Signing Day coming up and Joe will have an inter- interview with new Glen Oak head coach Bo Balderson. We'll get things rolling by talking about the high school hall seven new members and Joe. Uh, I think a, a pretty interesting class that people are uh, pretty happy to see some of these guys get honored at last.
1: Yeah, I know that you, in particular, you mentioned that you were um, excited because there's some guys on there that uh, that you're almost surprised they weren't in there already. Um, you know, Leo Strang and
0: Leo Strang's the name that came to me. I'm like <laughs> looking at stuff at some point in the past couple of years. We've done some of those historical projects, the icon stuff we did, and I remember looking at some of his records and I'm like, wait a second, he's not in the high school football hall of fame yet. And I think that was kind of the reaction of a, a lot of people when you started looking at uh, what they did then.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the last couple of years we've had um, some recent guys like, you know, Sean Crable or even Reggie corner that, you know, uh played fairly recently, but most of these guys it seems like are, are from the eighties or seventies or sixties or fifties. Um and, and you mentioned it in your story in Sunday, just, you know, Steve Schick and, Todd Stanish and Rob Stradley each played the 80s. Coach Ed Glass coached Hoover in the 80s. So um, kind of a theme of getting some guys that had waited, waited a while to get in this uh, the hall. Stanish is a
0: guy that uh, went from Marlington, didn't play in some great teams, but uh, put up back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, like 1,100 and 1,200 in, the, in that neighborhood, and graduated as their career rushing leader and then went on to play at uh, Miami The the Hurricanes, not Miami, Ohio, but Miami uh, Hurricanes, and helped them win their first national title was on that team that was led by Coach Schnellenberger and obviously had Bernie Kozar. And Northeast Ohio fans would remember Jay Brophy from Akron on that team. And uh, Todd Stannis was a a halfback on that team. So that kind of gives you the idea. The type of talent. I don't think uh, Miami, uh, Florida, is coming into Marlington very often for <laughs> football players.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know. Maybe we can get Bernie Cozart on the on the phone sometime in the next six months to talk about that. But you know, other connections. Rob Stradley went to Michigan State. I think he roomed with, with Pat Shermer, the, the current think, Giants coach. I and think you're right. Coach. He was a
0: captain on their '88 uh, Rose Bowl team that uh, also uh, featured Percy Snow, and it was a, a really, really good Michigan State team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, sometimes with like guys with like. Uh, you know, Nick Roman from McKinley and Leo Strang from Maslin. It's just that they have had so many great legendary players and coaches and things from those schools that I'm sure there's still a list of 10 names from each of them that, that you're going through.
0: Yeah, you're talking about Roman, who uh, was all Ohio. McKinley is a two-way end, uh, you know. Back in those days, tight ends didn't catch a lot of passes uh, at the next level at Ohio State and then the NFL, a really good defensive end. Started on the 1972 Browns playoff team, uh, had a pick six that year, which was very rare in those days for a defensive lineman, and started for the Browns in their playoff loss to the uh, what would become the 17-0 and Miami Dolphins. So uh, a lot of historical connections with these guys.
1: Yeah, I would say it's probably still rare for a defensive lineman to get a pick six. But. Yeah,
0: they are 60 times a game. Sometimes you run into them. But back in those days, I think uh, you did not see a lot of defensive linemen uh, getting those opportunities. And we mentioned Leo Strang, um, but we didn't really say what he did. He won three state titles in a row, 59 through 61. His uh, career record, 54-8-1 at Maslin. That's an 871 winning
1: percentage. I mean, that's, that's otherworldly. Yeah, and, and, and you know... I'm interested, I don't know if you can shed some light on just how this process works and what it's like being on that committee and, and, you know, picking some of these guys. Because I'm sure it's just, it's hard because there's probably 40 guys that you would like to be in there and you have to kind of pick and choose which one will go in first.
0: I think that's exactly what it comes down to is there's a, I say pretty much everybody that's on our list, in my view, I could make an argument for them being on there. Uh, It's 40 to 50 guys that you're looking at each year, counting the senior candidates. And you know, you're know you talking about a lot of guys that contributed to the game of football in Stark County, many who went on to play professionally in the NFL or the AFL, the CFL, uh, or who made an impact at the next level coaching. So it's just so many people in, in this Hall of Fame. is still relatively new, 2002. So you're talking 120 years of football almost now, 125 that you're condensing. There's 130 men in it now. Um, so it's just, it's hard to, to make sure you can get to everybody. Cause there are a lot of great players, I think that get forgotten from the, you know, even back into the thirties and forties. But obviously when football became more popular, was covered more when you're talking into the forties, fifties, sixties, a lot of recognizable names that have come through here and, and gone on and impacted the game after they, you know, first made their impact here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't, I, I was working in Youngstown in 2002, but you know, 18th, class and i wonder if you can maybe shed some light on just the feedback you've gotten from the community and i don't i don't know that there's a lot of if any places in the country that have like a high school football hall of fame just for their county but how's this been received over the last oh it's
0: it's been a a big deal i mean you've seen the banquet a couple of times Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the better evenings in stark county every year Uh, i believe this year will be july 19th it's uh, usually been that time of the year on a friday night and you know, you get in a room last year, you've got Don Nalen in there. You're talking about a guy that's in the College Football Hall of Fame and, you know, played for national championships when he was at West Virginia and got his start as a high school football player here in Stark County and also as a coach before he went on and, you know, decided to, to give up high school coaching to pursue college. So it's just every year you get men like that in the room and a lot of the Hall of Famers come back, especially when it's somebody from their class that's going in. I know. Last year, with uh, Reggie Corner going in, you had Ryan Brinson coming back to see that from McKinley. Uh, Tom McDaniels is always there. Uh, Don Hurtler Jr. is another. You see a lot of the coaches, past and present, that are always supportive of it. It's a it's a great event, and I know the community, based on the the reader voting that goes on, people get into it. Uh, you know, there's people that'll kind of campaign with letters. Uh, we had somebody that was uh, advocating for Nick Roman Jr. last year. Um, and we've had other, you know, people in the past advocating for this guy or that guy. And, you know, people care, which is what you want to see. If nobody cared, you got no feedback, you'd wonder why you're doing it. So it's good yeah. to see that people are really into it. And, and uh, you know, we'll have a couple of years from now the 20th class. So, uh it's it's been a it's been a great thing. And like you said, I think most counties I know around here you got Summit County and Wayne County that have just a general sports hall of fame and it could be pretty nebulous on the connections of what get guys in here. I think what's is unique about this and what makes it special, it's just high school football and as best as you can as a voter, and I know it's my you know, some my stress, you wanna honor guys that were good high school football players or good high school coaches here and, and base it initially on what they did for the high school game in Stark County. And then you look at what their contributions were
1: beyond that. Yeah. And I mean, one thing you probably should mention is, you know, if, if someone feels strong about a candidate, you don't want to like email Chris and say, Hey, you idiot. Why is this guy <laughs> in there? But if, if you have like good detail or someone that is overlooked, I'm sure that you're always welcome to.
0: Yeah. We love to get information, especially on the, the guys, like we said, that played further back. It's sometimes tough to get records. Um, we all hope that schools would keep great records of, of all their past players, but you know, you, you come to find out they don't. So it's a, uh, Anytime we can get documentation or old clips or stuff like that 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 show what guys did as a coach, a player, or, you know, we've have officials in there as well.
1: That uh, it's helpful to the process. Yeah, and one thing you should mention: if you don't know these guys or you didn't catch uh, Sunday's paper, if you go onto FridayNightOhio.com, you can find the story that that Chris did a great job on from Sunday, and you, know, you know, probably be a couple of stories down now. I don't know if, where it's at, but. Uh,
0: uh, it's still on the site pretty high and and then always a big deal for us in July and something Joe will be working on we put out a special section profiling uh, each of the the members of the class and for me that's one of my favorite things we do every year reading those stories Uh, our staff you know, with Joe does a great job writing about those guys and always some interesting stories on the lives these men uh, led both in high school and then what they've gone on to do so always a fun section to look at Big thing coming up uh, in the here and now, Joe, something you've been working on a lot lately, is National Signing Day, Wednesday, February 6th. Always a big day in Ohio, Alabama, Texas, the states that really take football seriously. What are we looking at uh, here
1: from the Stark County perspective? Well, so far, we, we had five guys that signed um, back in, in December, the early signing period. I think this is the second or third year for that. That's um, and Safety, Dean Clark, went to Kent State. Um, McKinley quarterback Elijah Curtis is going to Army West Point. Um, Jackson tight end Hayden Junker is going to Kent State. And Maslin running back um, Jameer Thomas is going to Washington State. And then Hoover lineman Luke Vanessa is going to Ohio. So we had those five guys that um, had committed early and signed early. And there's three guys that, that I think that, that'll that probably complete this class um, – Jackson lineman Xavier Gray is is kind of down between UMass and Akron, and I would imagine he'll he'll commit to one of those two any day now. Um, Keshad Mack from from Maslin, he's a safety, he has an offer from Akron, and then um, Trayvon Morgan, the the Massillon wide receiver whose stock really just exploded this last fall, has already verbally committed to Michigan State. So um, you know, it's, it's funny. A couple years ago, we were talking about how there's only one guy I think from Stark County, and was kind of um, wondering if the sky was falling. And then last year we had a a really nice class, and this year we'll have another one as well, including four guys from Maslin, which helps explain why they were so good last year. Um, So... Um, you know, it's exciting for us because I think we love following them, you know, as they go into college. And it just kind of speaks to the quality of football that's played here.
0: Well, I think it's kind of that cyclical thing. And coming up in the interview that you have with Coach Balderson, you kind of talk about that just from the Glen Oak angle of the, the cycle of, you know, they obviously had a lot of great players earlier in the decade, had some rough seasons here of late. I think it's the same way with the county where you just have cycles of when you get those classes of six, seven, eight type, You know, guys that are Division One football players, and maybe some years you do have those one or two, which around here are are rarer, but they do happen. How does this class uh, stack up to the recent classes in terms of not just volume, but guys who you might make an impact at the next
1: level? Well, yeah, I mean, I think when you look, you always kind of start with those Power Five conference guys, and that's Jameer Thomas going to Washington State and, and Trayvon Morgan going to Michigan State. So you want a couple of those guys, and and, and this class has those guys um, that can uh, that you might be seeing, you know, on Sundays maybe eventually. And then you have a lot of just really really good football players um, who are productive, and and uh, so I, I think it probably is a is what you would think would be par for the course. I don't know, eight's a, pr- a pretty big number, but. You know, it, it, it's a group that I think, you know, Stark County probably wants a half dozen a year, and, and you're, you're right around that that number.
0: Well, I think, obviously, Stark County's love of football sometimes will skew its own image. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think there's a lot of people that think, oh, there's always six, seven, eight guys every year. And obviously, that's just not the case. But we have seen the last couple of years getting those numbers. Um, of of that group, who's somebody that's maybe flown under the radar and and, uh, could be a a big time guy at the next level even if it's not in the power five but just
1: playing division one football Uh, I mean I think Jackson Lyman and David Gray really stands out there he's Uh, 6'9 he is a great story from being you know up in the 450s or higher I think weight wise and he's just transformed his body and he weighs around 300 pounds now and he's just massive and productive and um, you know, you look at him as a guy that his best football is clearly ahead of him because he, you know, he's really only played extensively as a starter one year, and uh, I, I think that's what UMass and Akron are seeing as a guy that hey, we get him in our program. You know, he, he red shirts a year, and then you you bring him along, and by year three, four. You know he could be an NFL type, you know, type player, and um, you know that's kind of what you're rooting for. I mean, that, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, but uh, you know that, that he's being drafted because of his traits and his potential. And certainly he was productive last fall, but um, he's a guy that that probably two years ago you didn't expect to to be talking about at this point, and and now you kind of you know think, boy, this guy's a limit for him.
0: As you look ahead, and this is something that you'll see in the Cant repository in, in the coming weeks and months, we're going to start profiling some of the guys in the upcoming classes, class of 2020 and, and so forth going forward. Who are guys showing up on the radar uh, for the colleges down the road?
1: Well, probably the biggest one right now is McKinley uh, wide receiver Jalen Ross, who uh, I think he has eight Division One offers right now. That's counting Youngstown State, which is an FCS school. But, I mean, basically the, the Mid-American Conference has been all over him. And it's always uh, a good sign when you're getting offers based just on your film from your junior year. That means that you're only going to go up because you have a chance to – to just impress some some coaches and some schools and in summer camp stuff and and uh, you know it, you're you're a guy that's um, that's combining production and and those like traits that the colleges are looking for. Uh, his teammate Lemire Garrett, who was kind of had a breakout second half of the season at running back for McKinley, he's got a Western Michigan offer. And then there's a couple other guys from Mich- from from McKinley who don't have offers, but they're looking at is um, Tata and Jasper Robinson, who um, whose brother Dom is is now at uh, at Miami Ohio. He played quarterback in McKinley. Um, Jasper, you know, he's probably you know still kind of a work in progress as a player. I think he knows that, but you know, he's six five, he's athletic, he's got. You know, obviously, got good genes from his. You know, his brother had a lot of offers, and and he's a guy that that again, his best football is probably ahead of him. And then um, McKinley linebacker Joseph Sa- Saipea, whose brother CEO is is at uh, is at Navy, and and he's a guy who missed the first half of this year um, because of injury, but he, by the end of the season, he was just a really disruptive, productive player for them. I think he had something like close to twenty tackles against Solon. Uh, in their first round playoff win and um, just uh, you, you know a guy whose dad played in the NFL and and so he you know he's another guy that that uh, you know could get looks and, and then you know outside the arid Jackson wide receiver Jake Ryan I think anybody who follows football knows about this kid he was incredibly productive uh, I think you know Tim Bud was telling me yesterday that they had like 1600 yards passing and he had like 1100 of them Himself, So he was a guy that you just kind of threw it up there. and He would win. He has great ball skills. He's six foot three. He's rangy. Um, so he, you know, he's a guy that's been around. He doesn't have any offers yet, but he's, he's gotten a lot of interest from recruiters and then, you know, kind of outside the County, but someone we cover is Manchester running back, Ethan Wright, um, who has some offers, including he was at Duke last weekend. And so, I think, again, he's a guy, if you don't know about him, you're probably not following football.
0: I think with two seasons of about 2,500 yards rushing, most people in Ohio are aware of him. You kind of wonder what what the... Limit is for him. Is he looking at a three thousand yard season next year? If they make a, another playoff run, it it's been remarkable the number he's numbers he's been putting up. Uh, Massa also has some, some guys, Joe, that uh, probably will be on the radar going forward.
1: Yeah, and the big one right now is is Jaden Ballard, their wide receiver, who has a boatload of offers. Just finished his sophomore year, and and uh, he's a guy that that uh, he he's been at some camps and just flashed his freaky athletic ability um so i, I don't know that there's anybody in, in Maslin's junior class coming up as seniors that's that's getting strong looks so far but uh they have a couple sophomores and, and he's one of them and and uh you know he probably projects as as an ohio state level player um so, you know, he's a guy that uh, I think everybody's kind of watching now and, and he was certainly productive last year, you know, with with some other guys.
0: Look for full signing day coverage on FridayNightOhio.com, uh Wednesday, February sixth, as we'll have plenty of stories on these young men as they make their advance towards college football. Coming up next, Joe Scalzo is going to talk with new Glen Oak football coach Bo Balderson. <laughs>
1: We're joined by new Glen Oak head football coach, Bo Balderson, coming over from Marlington. And, uh, Bo, thanks for, for coming on the uh, the Friday Night Ohio podcast. Uh, how you doing, man? How's How are things going uh, so far at Glen Oak?
2: It's, it's going well. I mean, it's one of those, uh, you know, everything is going pretty quickly right now. You know, um, being here, over at Marlington teaching all day and driving right over there uh, I'm trying to get to know the kids and, and every the ins and outs. It's been uh, it's been pretty fast uh, a couple of months now.
1: And you've I mean you've been a, a head coach at a couple of different places. You were at Jackson, Marlington. I think you were in Southeast. Uh, one other one. what am, am I missing? Parma. Parma. So uh, when you when you get a new head coaching job, you, you know what are the the key things in those first months to do, and and uh, you know how do you how do you reach the the players? Uh,
2: you know trying to get to know the kids their, their names especially a school that size when you have a lot of um, influx of kids coming in you know some guys might be a workouts two days you know two days here and there and, and it's kind of hard if you can't track them down when you're not in the building uh, that's definitely a challenge just not being there during the day um, you know and, and trying to put together staff everybody wants to wants to get that going right away and you know everybody's always asking hey do you got your coaches lined up yet yeah, but, but that takes time especially when you have um, in a new district you not knowing what kind of opening. There, there may be, um, you know, and, and uh, it's not as easy as people think to try to put together the best staff possible. So those are some of the big challenges, uh, you know, in the first couple of months that you'll see and that, that I've seen so far, too.
1: How uh, helpful is it to have someone like Scott Garcia, you know, former coach who's still the AD there and, and maybe can help you, you know, with this transition?
2: Uh, he's been great. Um, yeah, it's been a great working relationship so far. I mean, you know, especially um, not being over there. He's he's actually contacted a few kids for us and and got them in the weight room and uh, we're working right now on a project to try to um upgrade the weight room kind of redo that uh we're working on that together um you know trying to get that done quickly to spice it up a little bit add some energy to the program i know nobody wants to see it succeed more than he does um you know and that's that's been that's been nothing but a positive for me
1: And yeah, I mean, he had obviously so much success there uh, up until about the last two years. Um, Any idea what, you know, what happened there? Maybe why they had a little bit of drop off? Was it just, you know, kind of the cycle that you go through sometimes? Or is there something that you needed to address?
2: I think one of the, the things that he, when we sat down and talked the first time is just, you know, after 12 years, he's, you know, pulling at both ends, being the AD and the head football coach. I mean, those are two full-time jobs and beyond that. Um, and he's kind of, kind of wore himself out a little bit. And I think that um, one of the things that he, he kind of talked about neglecting was, was the middle school and the, the younger programs. And, and that kind of trickles up. So, uh, you know, we were both talking about how he was to get down into the youth program um, and in the uh, middle school well well and that's where it kind of starts um and once you kind of build those numbers back up and the excitement back up then um um, glen oak will be definitely back to where it was just a few years ago under coach garcia do
1: you have any idea like where are the numbers in in middle school and, and what they look like you know maybe at jv and freshman level at glen oak right now
2: um yeah. They, I mean, they were down the last, last year and a half. Um, but we're, we're going to get those back up. You I mean, our goal is uh, to have over 70 guys at the JV varsity program, which means in order to do that, we need to have in the upper thirties, you know, to 40 at the eighth grade program. And, um, which will filter up to the freshman level as well. So that, you know, our goal is to try to improve all of those numbers, um, you know, and, and throughout the youth program, building those relationships with those the guys on the board, um, you know the people on the board to try to build those numbers up and uh, promote football again um, at that level, which is it's a challenge to do nowadays. But we're, we're going to get it done.
1: Let me uh, just to ask you: in terms of you're familiar with this league, the Federal League, and and uh, you know being from Jackson and and uh, was that part of what would interest you in the job? Just the chance to to be uh, in this league again and, and kind of compete at that level?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, knowing you know each Friday night. Um, You're going to go to a stadium that's going to house five to seven thousand people, and you're going to get in there. And um, it's a it's week in and week out. You're not going to face a better conference um, in the state of Ohio than what we're going to be playing in. So I'm excited to be back in the federal league for sure. Um, You know, in, in the stadiums that that we play in are just fantastic atmosphere so looking forward to that
1: anything uh, I mean you're a Marlington guy and you've had a Mm -hmm. successful run there what are you going to miss about about being there
2: all the kids, the kids and the people um, are fantastic. Uh, we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in this program in the last four years. Um, you know, we improved the facilities. Our, our turf field is probably the nicest in the county right now. Um, our athletic director, Steve Miller, has done a great job of improving the facilities in a, in a district that um, hasn't passed a levy. We were able to fund those things, but private donations, we worked extremely hard to do that, and we're proud of that. So I'll miss those people I worked with, um, especially the players to the relationships you build. Um, um, and I'm looking forward to starting um, to build those new relationships with the kids over at Glen Oak and, um, and meeting many, many people over there to kind of accomplish some of those same goals.
1: And, and like you said, you, you know, you're kind of traveling back and forth. When does your life maybe settle down for a little bit?
2: <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> not, probably not until uh, you know we we actually get into the summer when all the fun work actually starts, where we can really focus just on football. Um, you know, for the players and, and the coaches and such. Um, and you know, right now it's a it's it is two two full time jobs for sure. Uh, my wife's been a teacher over at Glen Oak, you know, so it'll be kind of nice being able to have be on the exact same schedule for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where where we have not been, so that that'll be a positive for sure.
1: Bo, appreciate the time, man. Uh, thanks for coming on and good luck uh, with everything. Hey, no problem. Thanks, Londra.
0: Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio Podcast, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. Also, a special thanks to Glen Oak head coach Bo Balderson for joining us. Look for future episodes throughout the offseason. For Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Pepper.